Hello there and welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Sarah from Sarah Faruya Coaching and this is the Legends Podcast. I believe there are many, many ways to lead a life and everybody has stories and I want to tell them and share them. These legends are a collection of people who I have found during my 20 years in Tokyo and before. All of them are brilliant people. And when I became bored with reading another billionaire's biography, I thought I want to tell the stories of the people who I meet who are absolutely fascinating, but you won't see on your regular podcast interview. They have overcome obstacles, both systemic and internal, and we cover all kinds of things from creativity, grief, racism, business, disaster, loss, trolling, infertility, farming, eating disorder, eco-feminism, and more. We have elite athletes, people who live on Zen temples in remote parts of Japan, BBC newscaster to Taekwondo champion. Please enjoy these amazing stories from what they've overcome, from what they've built, from what they've created, from the way that they talk. I'm just delighted thinking about it. So please get stuck in and enjoy this next legend. Welcome everyone to Sarah Faruya Coaching's Legend Series. This is a series of conversations and interviews with fascinating people from around the globe. There are many ways to lead a life, and this is one of them. Everybody has stories, and I want to hear yours and tell theirs, and create a work style and a lifestyle that you can be proud of. Today, I have the amazing Maya Ileto with me. Maya is a gyrokinesis teacher, and her background in dance led her to do more movement work. She's a certified gyrokinesis pre-trainer, teacher trainer, and a gyrotonic trainer with pulley, tower, and archway. These are uh, pieces of equipment. And she's based in Tokyo. She conducts bilingual Japanese and English classes and courses at one of the leading yoga and movement studios in Tokyo and gyrokinesis studios in Tokyo, which is really close to Yoyogi Park. I go there, it's beautiful. It's an amazing view of the park from the window. Um, she also studied um, under the light school yoga, the light yoga school, uh, the Tlubev Ballet School, Park the Park Ballet School and Gold's Gym Yoyogi Cohen Premium. And in a minute, she can tell you exactly how to say that properly. <laughs> um, so in 2001, Maya's background in dance led her to gyrokinesis. And she's trained with many master trainers from around the world. But this isn't, this isn't all. This isn't everything about Maya. There is so much more to her. She has such a rich background, such a rich story. And I am, I'm, I'm completely covered in goosebumps right now because I'm so excited to introduce this wonderful person, a great friend, a great teacher, a great trainer, somebody who helps to get me into my body. Maya Ileto, welcome. Thank you for having me. You're very, <laughs> very welcome. Okay, so let's get into it. So Maya, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, where you were born, and a little bit about the start of your life. The start of my life. Uh-huh. Okay. So I'm Filipino mm -hmm. heritage. My parents are both Filipino, 
but I was born in upstate New York in a very cold place. Um, and, but I'm a totally summer like lover, right? <laughs> but I was born in like a freezing upstate New York City. Um, I was born in Ithaca, uh -huh. where my parents went to university. Um, so I, I spent a couple of years in the US, but after that they moved to, back to the Philippines. So I grew up in the Philippines, after that they moved to Australia, so I also spent many years in Australia, mm -hmm. as you can tell from my very thick Australian accent. <laughs> and, <laughs> and basically um, my family was always moving, so every two years we would move between the Philippines and Australia. So I was constantly, you know, starting again. Um, but then we finally settled in Australia and we spent a good, like my university years were in Australia. And then I ended up here after that. So that's basically the trajectory. <laughs> Interesting. So you were born in the USA mm. and your parents, what, they were studying at university yeah, there? that's correct. So they were studying at university while they had children? That's right. That's pretty radical. Mm. <laughs> so what, have you ever spoken to them about that or anything? Well, it was my dad working on his PhD. I see. So it was years, mm -hmm. years in the making. Yeah. So they were married, they went over, and he did his, I think, master's and his PhD, during which time I was born. And then once I graduated, they left. So that was the end of my life in the US, basically. Wow. Did yeah. you ever talk to your mom and dad about that? Like about all that, like having kids when they were like studying and so on? Because that just blows my mind. I think that's so rad. Yeah. I mean, um, they, they were both in the Philippines and then they just decided to get married and go and start a new life. Um, and what can I say about that? I don't know. They just, uh, I mean, it was, it was a temporary thing. They didn't mm -hmm. go over to move. Um, permanently yeah. in the US. It was really just to study. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the timing was right to have me there, so boom. <laughs> <laughs> and boom, Maya was born. And you were the first Yeah, of I'm four? the eldest of four, that's eldest correct. Eldest of four girls or a mix? Um, I have a brother and two sisters. A brother and two sisters. So yeah. they, they, wow, so your, your mum really, you know, they really went for it as well. It wasn't like they did this by heart, because that's quite a sizable family to be having mm. on the yeah on the fly if you like exactly yes and move. in fact um we were all born in different places as well so how yeah. fascinating yeah yeah <laughs> so where were your siblings born? so my brother was born in the philippines and my sisters were born in australia oh. mm. and what was it just out of interest what was it that your dad was studying there uh he's a historian historian mm. what kind of history uh philippine history southeast asian history hmm, hmm. Has he ever done any work at SOAS, the School of No, he hasn't studies? done work in the U.S., but... In the U.K.? Uh, U.K., my, but... It, my apologies. Yes, no, my, uh, of course, of course, no. Um, but he's done a lot of work. Um, in Japan, he's done some work um, in Kyoto University, in Australia. He was with Australian National University mm -hmm. and the Philippines as well, obviously. Mm. So he's been around. That's why we went back and forth. So is he yeah. quite a kind of well-renowned historian in his field? You could say that. <laughs> I mean, he, I'm not going to get you to yeah. name him or anything, Doctor. <laughs> yes. is, but, he, he's uh, won awards and he has books in several languages. He's won awards and he has so. books in several languages. Yeah. So I can yeah. see where you see this, you know, I'm putting the kind of picture together of Maya and how, I mean, I know you used to be this kind of brilliant person with this kind of just fearless. Thirst. I mean, we're going to get into it, but like 
you've got such a portfolio life and you're so clever and so smart and so well studied and you have the, all these different kind of elements to your life it's like I, I'm starting to put the picture together now of the people who kind of brought you up. Was your mum studying as well, or was she? My mum, yes, she also went and studied uh-huh. in the US, and, and was she was her? a teacher. She was a teacher. Mm, so what both. was her background? Uh, psychology. Okay. Yeah. Child psychology. Okay, not yes. child psychology. Yes. yes. Mm. All right. Mm. It's all the same. We're all, we're all children on the inside. That's right. There's millions of we're like those Russian child. dolls. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. A great. A great TV show, mm. which Russian doll. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> but we won't mention that. We today. won't mention that today. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you, okay, here's a here's a fun fact. Then, for all the viewers out there, if you watch the TV show, series Russian Doll, look out for the gyro reference. Okay. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> so, um. So all that moving around then um, as a child, I guess that you, you grew up in lots and lots of different places. Yeah. What would you think was, tell me about that. What was the impact? Of, like looking back from here as a, as a woman in your 40s, what mm. do you, as you look back on that, what do you think? I think it helps you become really versatile, mm-hmm. adaptable, resilient, mm-hmm. because you're just constantly reinventing yourself, I guess. Mm. Um, and you and I was doing it from like a young age, yeah, uh, from age of seven, and then at ten, and then at thirteen, and then after that, when I was nineteen again, when I came to Japan for the first time. Okay. So there are always different like stages where I just okay, I'm new, let's start again, let's do this, mm-hmm. and then I always found it really exciting. It never upset me in a way like oh no, I'm leaving all my friends, blah blah blah. I sort of got used to that sort of way of dealing with life so I thought it was very positive and I know it's something that can be difficult and people do have trouble with that but yes in my case I really liked it mm-hmm. I think yeah mm. so so you had 7 10 13 uh, yeah. so you had these transitions so that first one that you really remember when you were seven what do you remember about that like you enjoyed the, re- the reinvention yeah, so yeah. we're back to Madonna. Last month I was talking about Madonna. Now we're back to Madonna again, the reinvention tour. <laughs> yes. But anyway, so what's mm. this? What, what was that reinvention process for you? And just, just kind of like making new friends, mm-hmm. having a new house. You know, at those stages I also would have a new sibling because we're all spread apart, uh-huh. right? So it was always exciting and different. You know? I see. So, like, it was like you were moving and getting new siblings at the same time. Sure, sure, sure. So what everything was, would be different. What was that like? Ah, it's good. So I have. There's quite a big age gap between myself and my siblings. Um, my brother and I are six years apart. Then I have ten years between me and my sister, and then another, and thirteen between the other, myself and the other sister. So I kind of grew up looking after them a lot, mm. right? Because of the a- age gap. So I always felt like you know, we would go on adventures together and I would look after them and help them through. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I still do that now even, actually. <laughs> yeah, I'm very close to them, so. So you still do that now, say more? Oh, um, well, we've moved, we're all living in different countries at this point. Um, so where are you, just out of interest? Uh, I have a sister in Singapore and two, my brother and my other sister are in Australia. And we don't meet that often, no. but when we do, you know, it's always, an amazing experience. We're so used to being apart. Yeah. 
at this point because our lives has always involved that. Yeah. So it's it's never been a huge problem, but yeah. we're still very close. Mm. Yeah. And so we try and help each other through the different stages of life, even though we're far apart. How often do you guys get together as a as four of you? Mm, maybe only every two years. Yeah. That's I can it. imagine that's quite yeah. and with families involved as well and exactly. children involved. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so on. Mm. Ah, interesting. So I didn't know that. Even till today I didn't think I knew that you had four mm. <laughs> you were one of four. Yeah. And all this was going on. So this is just kind of part inherently part of who you are. This is part of your cultural inheritance, all this moving around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, when you, it, it's an interesting question, this, because for me, like, if, if I just kind of reflect back on my own life, although we're both here in, in Japan together, I actually only lived in England mm. and then moved to Japan. That mm-hmm. was my transition. So I right. feel very much that kind of, I was there, my mum and dad lived in the same place, yeah. but they weren't born there. So this is an interesting mm. thing that I've started to kind of really super realise now is, my mum was from one part of England, she was from Stoke-on-Trent, my dad was from uh, Lincoln, which is on the east side of me, England's yeah. really tiny, mm. um, and then they both, then my mum's family moved up to near Liverpool, mm. and then when they got married, my dad moved up there to be with them, so neither of them were from that area, Right, right. so then that I've started to think, oh that's interesting, anyway, so neither of them were like super mega they were super attached in that place and they mm. have an amazing community there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but still my cultural heritage is that's where I was born and raised mm. and that's that and then mm. I moved to Japan so I do feel that kind of yearning and mm. that kind mm. of out of placeness but it sounds to me like that movement and that difference and that constant kind of adding to the family and that kind of the, the constant change in family dynamics is part and parcel of who you are mm. Can you speak to that a little bit more? I mean, I know it's, it's hard to say, like, what do you think has been the impact on you, like, as you look back now? The impact of moving around so much as yeah, a kid? Yeah, just of that being part of yourself. Like, do you ever see it kind of coming out? Or do you ever, hmm. you know, do you ever look at, uh, look around and think, hmm? Ah, that's a hard question. It's really hard to, I, I don't feel like I'm only, I don't know how to put this. Like, I know it's so cliche to say global citizen. Yes, you know? and, but, but it's true if, for you. In my story, yes. I mean, I really feel that I'm neither this nor this. I'm just like this yeah. <laughs> kind of glob of whatever. <laughs> Global citizen. Yeah, <laughs> let's call it that. Okay, I'm a global we just citizen. Something. Hashtag global citizen. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 it doesn't mean I'm neither here nor there. It's just this yeah. whole separate entity. Yeah. And and I like it. I love it. And uh, yeah. I own it. I don't feel like it doesn't make me insecure. Oh. It doesn't make me feel like I have identity oh. issues. I just kind of went with it. It just is who I am. So. Oh, you know, yeah, I've just got yeah. I've got goosebumps all <laughs> over my body from head to toe right now because it's really interesting because there's this question that's sticking in my throat here, which is like, where do you identify with? But it, the reason it's sticking in my throat is because it's just not the right question, mm. and you've mm. just answered that mm. question mm. for me mm. like this. Mm. And what I love about what you just said there, it's like I own it. Mm. You yeah. don't feel anything about it, like you don't feel out of place. You don't feel you just own that 
patchwork. I don't know exactly. what to call it. Yeah, like, yeah. Like I, I can't define it or defend it or yeah. anything. It just, it's just, it's, it, it's just, just, it is. It is. Yeah. yeah, and that's your so cultural inheritance. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm. I'm so interested in how our, our our upbringing and our family of origin shapes us, mm. and that really, you know, that really speaks to that so well. And especially for those of us who live outside of our culture and family of origin. But I think it's equally interesting for people who have, you know, chosen to stay close to their upbringing and family of origin as well, which is also another lovely choice. Mm, mm, you know, I course. love going back to my hometown and seeing the people who stayed there as mm, well. Mm, mm, it's mm. just really interesting to to note what it means to be somebody who moves around. And, you know, it's interesting also, you should say, I know it sounds really cliche to, to talk about being a global citizen, why, I mean, I have my reasons why I think that's a little bit of a cliche, but why do you think that's a bit of a cliche, the global citizen label? You mean you truly are? <laughs> mm, why do I think it's a cliche? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's easy to say yeah. you're a global citizen if yeah. you think you're open-minded and you like to travel, say. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. I do <laughs> know what you mean. Yes. <laughs> that's what I mean. Yes. I mean. But really, in my case, I really feel like I'm... Yeah. I really am neither here nor there. I'm no. just a little bit of everything. Yes. Yeah. And especially if you put it in the context of here in Japan now. Yeah. You know, I'm here. My husband, I'm married and my husband is also not Japanese. Yes. And we made this our home. Yes. Okay. So that's another part of the story. I mean, many couples we meet here in Japan, um, international couples, have a Japanese spouse. Yeah. In fact, we find it really difficult to find... Not that we're actively searching for other <laughs> You've couples got, like, in, the, in the classified you know ads I mean? yes. in Look. search of. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. Yeah, but you know, it, it's, it's we we rarely meet other couples who, who are both not from Japan. Right. 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 So I think that's also part of that, you know, global citizen story of how we ended up here and yeah, how we made a life here. So yeah, it's like you find where you belong, but yeah. you don't fit in. Yeah. But yeah. Hmm. We do. I can't even imagine living anywhere else. Yeah, and you know? we'll, I'll come yeah. back to that later because yeah. I think that's really, really interesting. Mm. Um, and, and again, that, I, the, the question, like, where do you feel you belong? It's, it's just not, <laughs> it's just not even relevant to you. Like, who do you think you are? So it's just, there's so many dynamics going on in the background here. And that's mm. one of the things that I love about you, Maya, and one of the reasons why I wanted to interview you is because, like, I feel like every single time I meet you, it's like another, I find another layer and another <laughs> layer. It's like there's so much unknown stuff in there. But I know each time I meet you, I'm meeting a sincere, authentic and genuine. You're not trying to hide anything. <laughs> it's not a secret. It's just that you don't get to be one of anything. Like for me, it's fairly straightforward. I'm British. I'm from the UK. And then you may find out that, you know, I was raised a Roman Catholic or the blah, blah, blah. Or I've just said, you know, my parents came from different parts of yeah. England. Yeah. But it's fairly... You know, there's nothing too mysterious about me by any stretch of the imagination. I know you're all going, yes, there is. <laughs> yes, there so is. Serious. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so, uh, but but that's one thing. I, and I actually wrote this in mm. in in my uh, you know in my kind of preparation for this. Is one of the things that I love about you is like I don't want to say onion because onions are so unglamorous, but <laughs> it's like a, a beautiful rose, and you're opening petal by petal or uh, something like uh, that. And it's uh, like every single piece of it is so interesting, and you have such incredible boundaries as well. But I don't ever feel like you're not being generous or authentic. It's just 
It's just you have an unusual patchwork portfolio background of a life. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I'm seeing lots of nodding there. What's <laughs> what's 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 coming through there? Um, I would agree with that because um, there was a point in my twenties mm -hmm. when I thought this is who I am, yeah. and it was like this and. That's it. This is who I am. Yeah. Everyone sees me this way. This yeah. is me. But then uh, there was a turning point where everything changed and I was like, I can't be that anymore. And I went through this sort of identity crisis, if you will. Like, mm -hmm. if I don't do this, am I still going to be me? But everybody knows me as this. This is me. Is that okay? But when I went into the other direction of like, you know, just, okay, let's just shake it up. I'm just going to accept that I can't do this. I'll do this now. And then that became this sort of like, oh, there always was this other bit of me that was that. I was never just this. This was just another bit of me that was kind of hiding. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? So the onion thing, kind of, I understand that because I always felt like I could be different things and none of those things would be the only way I could be. Mm -hmm. There's always like, you just, you can always reinvent yourself. And this goes back to like my growing up and always going and starting again and always being okay with that. Mm -hmm. Right. I just think that if I'm this one day, but this the next day, it's not because I'm faking it. I'm trying to be something oh, different. Yeah, it's more yeah. like this was also part of me. And now I'm showing this bit. Yeah. Now I'm showing that bit. Yeah. Yeah. So like that. Oh, so good, <laughs> so good. So when you were in your twenties, you had this. You, 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 I love that. Like I, I, when you said, like, it's my twenties. It's not. I'm this way. It's like you know, I've been there as well. <laughs> I'm this we person, are. and then you're like, oh no, there's this other part of me that wants to kind of show itself too. And you mentioned there something. Something happened, and there was a. What I call these pivot points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That where something pivots and and it changes, and then it's like, oh, that. I, I leave behind now. Yeah. Like, it mm. could even be something really weird, like, I'm a loser. Mm. Or mm. I'm not, like, I'm, I'm sure it's not in your case. It's like, if you've been telling yourself all your life mm. that you're a loser, and then suddenly you start being successful, you're like, oh, <laughs> now, <laughs> now I have to start to do that thing instead. Right. So it's like si simple things. And, you know, in, in my practice, my coaching practice, we talk about this, like, the way we tell our stories. Yeah. And once you do start to learn new things or when once a pivot point does happen, you do actually have to kind of pivot and question yourself. Yeah. And it takes quite a lot of vulnerability. I think it's such a trendy word as well to be mm. vulnerable, but mm. it does take a certain degree of vulnerability to, because you risk being called a hypocrite mm -hmm. and you risk being called, as you said, a fake mm -hmm. or, oh, she's changed. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's, and, and these are the fears that come up for people. Um, it's brave. It, it's brave. So this pivot point, mm. is, there, is there any way you can share that with us? Yeah. I said 20s. Yeah. I meant 30s. 30s. Okay. <laughs> I forget. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, ancient history. Ancient history. Yeah. 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 Um, so for, for a long time, for like, let's just say from university until my mid thirties, university to mid thirties, or even yeah. late thirties, mm -hmm. um, I was all about being, uh, like, so I studied law in university and I wanted to change the world 
idealistic, you know, and I wanted to, uh, I wanted to become a diplomat. That was one of my goals, for example. My grandfather was a diplomat, and mm -hmm. I grew up looking at him and going, oh, that's such a cool life. Yeah. He's always going to cool parties. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he's important. Yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I kind of planned my career, you know. Um, and I'd always danced, and I've always been a movement person. But at a pivot point in my life, I was just like, oh, you know, I'm going to go to university. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try and change the world. And I did that. I mean, I finished school and I, uh, I went to graduate school as well. I For law? Yeah. yeah. Uh, graduate school, I did um, human rights. Um, and then I started working in nonprofits, did work that I always, you know, I will never regret the work I did in the nonprofit field. It was a really life-changing part of my life. Mm -hmm. um, several NGOs in Japan, like Peace Boat, for example. Yeah. I worked for People Tree or um, Global Village. Oh, I worked for them as well, Fair yes. Trade Fashion. Um, I also worked for a uh, Japanese human rights organization. You know, so I did many different sort of jobs throughout the, my career after finishing school. And it was all wonderful and satisfying, and I really felt that that was my life mission mm -hmm. at that point. But then I had a pivot point in my late 30s where my husband and I tried to start a family. And it didn't work. As sometimes these things don't work. Mm -hmm. But you know, me, I'm actually a perfectionist. I'm like type A, you know, like everything is on a list and what I'm going to do, I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't and I couldn't. And it was just like, yeah, <laughs> what do you do with yeah, that? Yeah, like it was like, okay, 38, this or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Shit. But I really always, I've always thought like I can do, when it, whatever I want to do, I'll be able to do it. I've yeah. always believed, like, and my parents were always believing in me. So I always had that like, okay, so now this is what's going to happen. And then it didn't. Yeah. So of course you're just like, oh, what do I do? Right? Yeah. And so I went through this whole like, okay, if we're going to try but I'm in this job and it's really so hard. Like I'm working crazy hours. I'm like going to the doctor every day doing stuff, mm -hmm. you know, trying to work things out with this, you know, making a family business. But then also I had this full-time job that was just like all consuming mentally and physically. It was just, you had to always be there and yeah. you had to be on. So I couldn't balance that. And mm. it was very, very difficult, like really difficult. So I made the choice to go freelance so that I could like somehow manage to do both to do both so that you gave your body a fighting chance yeah yeah so I did that and when I did that I was just like oh my god am I being a quitter like can I handle oh god, this like yeah. you know but if I don't I'll never know if this could happen yeah but I had you know so it was just this terrible like decision that I had to make. I was happy with what I was doing, but I wanted to do this as well. So, yeah. so then I went in the direction of trying to manage my time better, going freelance. I was still doing the same work. In fact, I was even still working for the same organization, just in a different capacity, trying to you know, go to the doctor at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then I did that for a little while, but it was killing me because I was like, oh my God, I'm no longer a full-time NGO worker. What, what am I? What is this? What is this like purgatory 
Oh, it felt you know like what I mean, there's so many labels, aren't there, Maya? I, know, I mean, I know, I know. This is, this is such a rich pivot point for me, what you're describing here. Mm-hmm. It's like, I decided I was one way. I mean, how would you have described that type A, but, I mean, that type A person? You were what? Lawyer, changing the world. Yeah. NGO, NPO, yeah. Yeah. like, hero, right. heroine, um, working all hours. I'm not a quitter. I stick with things. Yeah. I do that. Yeah. And I, I will do this for other people, the vulnerable people of the world that I want to help. I will do this for them. But then what? What about me? What about yeah. this part of my life, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. So yeah. So that happened. And so that sort of was the beginning of things shifting where I was starting to think, okay, how do I make this work? What's my make it work moment, you know? How do I make this work? What's my make it work moment? Yeah. Hashtag that. (laughs) Make it work moment. But it got worse, Sarah. So so I was doing that. And then on top of that, I find out that my mother um, had cancer. And so when that happened, then it became, oh, okay, pressing. Like, it was already all kinds of time issues, but then... Your mom has cancer. You only have a certain amount of time. She was only she only like had six months basically, and I was like flying back and forth to Singapore. It was a very very difficult time. Yeah. And of course that changed my mindset again, right? You just have to do what you have to do. Time is limited. Mm-hmm. You make your choices, and you make your priorities. You decide what do I need to do. And so after I went through that period of like the loss of my mom and also the loss of the idea of having children because at that point we'd done enough we'd done everything we could um, and we decided to move on it was just like that that time to really reinvent myself again that was when it was just it shifted when I said okay it's okay not to be A I'm gonna try being B but being B is always it's always been there it's always been a part of me I wasn't saying like, well, that was a waste of time. I'm going to try this totally different thing. Mm. I just feel like I pulled out something else that I had in my sort of bag of goodies to become. Mm. Something like that. Pulled out something else from your <laughs> bag of goodies. <laughs> just emerged and shook the sack up. No, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, you know, like I, I, I had thought until, you know, my 20s and 30s that, you know, you could only really be one thing. But when that happened... It just really, oh, you can be anything is what I really felt. And then I went and I just went for it. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's a lot to happen in one go. That's a lot of loss to happen yeah, in one go. And I, I mean, I love how positive you are in retrospect about that mm, kind of mm, mm. post-optimistic. I don't even know if that's a word, but like retroactively optimistic. Mm, yes. Oxymoron. Yeah, but, um, I know what you mean. At that time, how did you keep, how did you and your husband keep mm. your head above water? Because, I mean, yeah. that's a lot of, that's a lot of, that's a lot of grief. That's a lot of letting go. That's a lot of, that's a lot to happen all in one go. I'm so tied up with mother stories as mm. well, if I think about Correct. it. Correct. Absolutely. So, During that time, the whole like Mother's Day thing killed me. It was oh. like... I lost my mother and I can't be a mother. I hate Mother's Day. You know, it's just like, ah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was terrible. Um, but I think in retrospect, like I never had any problems 
like my husband and I were like a team as we were trying to deal with this and we made a plan and we were basically like if it doesn't work let's just do what we can with what we have and we were very like we even like had like okay we're gonna go until this point and if nothing let's just like be brave jump off the cliff into the next realm whatever you know <laughs> <laughs> jump off the cliff into the next realm yeah. and that realm is the realm that you're in now yeah um, we, we made lots of different like positive steps like we did many things to try and make it a positive choice you know because it was so devastating at the time yeah i, mean, I so can many, imagine like maybe i mean okay it was two years of like like the worst slump in my life like i've never been that you know like just every day was like a slog right but then when we made the decision we were actually like very proactive about like what we were going to do and how we were going to live our lives mm. you know i love so it it became a positive choice interesting i cannot stress the power of decisions like that the, the yeah. power a decision has yeah is is so incredible and I mean, in this day and age, we have so many choices. And somebody like me, very super creative person, can sometimes get a little bit overwhelmed by decisions. But mm. one thing that one of my mentors, a woman called Danielle Laporte, said is just choose something. Yeah. Anything, just choose. Yeah. And then at least the choice, the, the, the to-do list of choose the thing is gone. Yeah. This yeah. is going to be very useful for me finding a house. <laughs> <laughs> moving swiftly on <laughs> yes, yes 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 are you gonna try and convince me to move to yoyogi now because everybody she wants me to move to kyoto <laughs> anyway no, no, to <laughs> okay um so um yeah. this is absolutely brilliant stuff and maya i just I, I love this so you you've got two years of this devastating loss the loss of your mom to cancer the loss of your dream of becoming a mom to mm. we don't know what actually mm. do we mm -mm -mm. um you're in your late 30s and you just you and your husband together as a team just decide you just make a decision we're going to decide that this is the end of that that journey now yeah. i'm sure that the, the of that particular one um i'm not going to make any assumptions but i my 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 research tells me that the journey of losing a parent continues yes but with the journey of saying goodbye to the idea of becoming a parent is a different journey mm -hmm. and that's one that you have some control over the and, and what I'm hearing here is you just decided to make a decision to say and now we do this yeah what did that look like what did that how did you do that with your husband I mean you're in a cross-cultural marriage there mm. he's Canadian is mm -hmm. that right mm -hmm. you met on the peace boat no we met here in Japan Okay. Mm -hmm. What would? How did those conversations go? How did you, without being too personal, I'm just really interested in um, how you got to that level of maturity and what kind of support was he to you during that time? Because that is, it's a lot for you mm. and it's a lot for him. So mm -hmm. I can empathize with him as well, but I think that that's mainly your yeah. time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you just tell us a little bit about this? I'm fascinated about the dynamics of people. Mm. just about the same time as we were going through it we had a, a, a f there were friends of ours who broke up over it oh um because you know if you're just not on the same page and yeah. you're trying and one is not trying as yeah. much or is not 
as passionate about it yeah. or as committed, then it's going to start. It's a hard decision, right? It I brings mean, your shit right. off. It does. Right it, up to the surface. Yeah. And, and so, there's a lot of investigating. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's not fun. Yeah. Well, we watched our friends go through, a, you know, they broke up over this. Right. Thing, and we were just like, we don't want to be like that because we I didn't see. get married to have children. No. We didn't. I mean, we, won, we got married because we wanted to get married because mm -hmm. we wanted to be together. That yeah. was it. Um, at the time, right? Mm -hmm. It's just that at some point we decided, hey, let's join you know, yeah. this club. And yeah. It didn't work, but we decided to go back to the original, like, okay, well, we couldn't join that club, but let's just keep on with our club. We have our own club and enjoy that club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. That was it. That, that was, was it. You just it. went, so it, that that's. I love how you're kind of collecting information from your surroundings as well. Mm. Like mm -hmm. saying, okay, there's that couple. That's their, that's yeah. their path. Yeah. But actually, that's not what we want. We yeah. don't. And, it, and it's easy to veer down that route. Yeah, very. Mm. But, and no blame, no shame, no shade. It's just you look and you gather that information and decide, no, we want a better, mm. not better. We want something better for the two of us together. Yeah. We are yeah. a yeah. team. You mentioned the word team. And you, you are going to do what you can with what you have. Yeah. So that brings us up to that point. Now, do you mind sharing your age? Nope. 46. 46. And um, I don't think there's any... I, I'm saying that because I, I think it's, it's lovely to have all different kinds of faces, but you do have incredibly young-looking face. And I know <laughs> people say that to you all the time. Um, Thank you. And, but again, I, I, I like all the ways that the faces end up, whether they're like... Yeah piece of leather sure. or like yours <laughs> like, a, <laughs> like somebody's airbrushed you <laughs> I like my the way my face is too so um, um, yeah. so what so so from then so you're 46 now and that was that takes us up to what when you were like late 30s yeah yeah so that was about 40ish when you decided okay mm -hmm. let's take it from here and mm. go here so you're this type a lawyer saving the world then this two years of mm. d devastate, devastation happens mm. and then from there you emerge as this strong couple who's going to do what you can with what you have what happens next so what's interesting is that one of the ways i was trying to make myself feel better was mm -hmm. body work ah. okay um and i took a class down the road of gyrokinesis and then it made me feel that my body was mine again. Because when you go through infertility, yeah. it's not yours. I right. mean, you're trying to do so much with your body, but it's not yours. It's like you're being, you're surrendering your body to like, you know, the hospitals or whatever. You know, yeah. it's not a pleasant experience. No. So I was going through this like, oh, this is not my body. And then I was going through my mom going through chemo and that's not oh. her body. Right? Yeah. And so, like, the combination of just, like, the body sucks. Like, in her perspective, my perspective, everything is just, ugh. So I was trying to find a way to, like, feel at home in my body. So that's when I started taking this gyrokinesis class. I mean, I'd known about gyrokinesis from when I was living in New York, you know, 15 years ago. But then I decided to take a class in Tokyo, fell in love with it. And I remember saying to the teacher at the time, this is amazing. I really love this. I'd love to become a teacher one day. On my first session with her. 
And now I work for her. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was just, it was just everything. I mean, I really felt good. And so I, I just, from there, it just, I decided to go into it because it made me feel good. I did it for myself. And then I realized that it was something that I could teach. I never knew I was going to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. It was never part of like my identity or who I thought I could be. But my parents are both teachers. <laughs> so that's really funny, right? Yeah. So then, yeah, and, and it just kind of from there, it just catapulted into teaching a lot. And it's everything now. It's 100% of what I do now. Like it overtook all the other work I was doing. For a while, I was trying to do both. And then as of maybe two years ago, it just became 100% of my business. And I, I love it. And I do it a lot. I do, I teach in many different places around Tokyo. Um, and it, it really, to me, it's really, the key was like, it made me feel at home in my body mm. and I want to help other people feel at home in their body and more than like a fitness or like a body image or anything like that it's really like do you feel good who you are that's just because it helped me so yeah I, I, I absolutely love that it's a great service that you provide to to people actually and you know I've written down here you like you make people feel that you know it made me feel my body was mine again and I feel at home in my body and it, it's like you do make pe you do help people to feel more at home in their bodies now I, I attend your classes regularly and I've done one-to-one -one work with you as well and that is one of the great great things about working with you Maya is that you really do never I have never once felt ashamed in your presence not once never you make me feel like yeah, you make me feel like you're just trying to help me to return into my body. And if I have anything particular, like you say, it's not about body image and stuff like that. But if I do have something particular that I want to work on, you'll kind of put it in brackets and, and help me to do it. So it's like, oh, and what was that thing you mentioned? So it's not like, all right, girl, come on, let's get you a slim stomach or, or you know, or, let's work on those round shoulders. It's never anything like that. It's like, okay, get on the machine. Let's do the thing. Oh, before we finish... What was that thing? It's like, it, it's, it's so good. It's it, like whatever that, that two years of devastation and this realization of, of, of getting back at home in your body, you're helping other people to bring brought back home into your body, into their bodies, sorry. And the, you know, and even people who have injuries and things like that are mm. able to do this work. Mm. And when you're doing the work with people as well, you really try to help people to relate to it in terms of like you are the queen of metaphors. <laughs> you call you talk juicy. Let's get juicy. So you really kind of give people this feeling of, and again, there's never any shame. But you are also a total badass, and you don't take bullshit from anybody. And this I love too, right? <laughs> so it's like, come on, Sarah, no, or no, you're doing ballet now, Maya, or whoever it is. You know, it's like you always bring people back to the to the truth and the honesty of the technique that you're you're not there to you're not there to blow smoke up anybody's ass and you're not there to flatter anybody either but i can tell this makes so much sense to me now it's really kind of bringing it together it's like how can somebody who objectively is beautiful young looking and has an almost perfect body right <laughs> just objectively i'm going to say that not to flatter you and not to blow smoke up your ass either but you know that's the body you get when you do this 100% of the time, right? This is the body you get when you spend most of the time in the sofa and then go and see her once a week. So <laughs> it's like, there's just none of that. It's so empowering. I'm glad you feel like that. 
<laughs> that's everything for me. I mean, really, I mean, I really want people to enjoy their time in my class. Yes. Like, in that moment, just own who they are yeah. and enjoy it. Yeah. Right? You own everything, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's gorgeous. So, full-time, full-time living the dream. And it's almost like you don't even define yourself anymore. Yeah. Tell me about that, because what I can hear is like you going, yeah, so there was that, I was that, this happened. Now I do this full time. Mm. Now, we're very high context, so I know what that means. Mm. Can you just break that down for us a little bit? I also know that you did a dance recital, 46 years of age, did a ballet recital on playing a, playing a, a young hussy or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was last week. <laughs> yes. So why don't you just break down, when you say, I do this full time now, I would like you to break down a couple of things for me here so that we can understand how you're leading your life. So the first thing is, what does your week look like? Mm. Like, what does it mean doing this full time? And the second thing is, what does it look like in terms of, and this is quite personal, so only say as much as you want to, like in terms of income and finances, mm. this is mm. something I'm quite interested in as well, because mm -hmm. as, a, as a small business owner myself, mm -hmm. I have quite a, I have a, a good but modest income and some, some months when I have like, my sales aren't as high mm -hmm. as I want them to be, yeah. I turn to my husband who has a full-time job to support me during those months. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that during like high sales times that I'll be able to kind of push it back to him, mm -hmm. but there's some kind of, but also that team sense of it all being together because I don't want anybody to think if you're single and you're just earning enough, mm -hmm. sometimes you literally can't just, mm -hmm. you know, decide... I'm just going to go full time on the thing that blah, 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 whatever it is. Mm -mm. Or maybe you can. I would always challenge that. But I just want to keep it real for people so that we're not doing this kind of pie in the sky kind of, yeah, I just followed my dream and now I do it full time. Mm -hmm, it's like mm -hmm, it takes mm -hmm, some mm -hmm. negotiation. Yeah. It takes some agreements. Yeah. It takes financial rigor and mm. so on. Mm. Um, mm. But So there's two parts to that question, if you don't mind asking, mm. answering mm. some of that. You don't need to give me details, mm. how much you earn or anything mm. like that. Mm. So the first part is, mm. what does your week look like? And the second part is, yeah, what does it look like to do what you do? And then the second part is just kind of, how does your team, how does team mm. yeah. Maya look yeah. like? With my clients, I have to, I do like a stock take with them. Mm. So it's like, um, you know, are you 100% the earner of the household? If you are and you wanted to quit your job, how many years could you go without earning a single penny? Mm -hmm. Now, the, the, these questions work in two ways. If somebody, so I've had one, one client who I said like, she's like, I couldn't leave my job, I couldn't leave my job, I couldn't leave my job. She's mm -hmm. in like a really high level corporate mm -hmm. position mm -hmm. for argument's sake. And I said, so, okay, if you quit your job today, how many months could you survive for? And mm. she goes, actually, probably about three years. Mm, 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 mm. Do you know what I mean? So mm. she didn't have a realistic view of single. Mm -hmm. She didn't have a realistic view of her future. Mm -hmm. Then I may have another client who's like, I want to quit my job and follow my dream. And I'll say to them, okay, so if you quit your job today mm -hmm. and um, you know, decided to follow your dream, how many how, how many months could you survive on what you've got now? Mm -hmm. And they go, oh, I still owe the tax, something. And it's like, okay. Mm -hmm. So there's two, on the outside, it looks like two similar mm -hmm. positions. Yeah, yeah. And also then I have to be careful not to project mm -hmm. because I have a partner mm -hmm. and we have a 
so I have a negotiation point yeah, there. Yeah, so yeah. I, I jokingly say to my husband, oh, can I borrow some? Uh, no, I don't mean can I borrow some money. I'll say to him, will you invest in the business this month? <laughs> 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 You're my biggest investor. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Anyway, what does your week look like then? So since in the last two years, you've given up the lawyering altogether, the mm. MPO work altogether. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Maybe in the last five years. Five uh, years. Yeah. So basically, I've just gradually stopped doing the NGO. and It was a lot of translation work as well because I'm bilingual. So I, I have been, over the years, I've been doing a lot of translation work for different Japanese NGOs. And I continued that for like you know, many years while I was building up, while I have been building up my business. Okay, so there's this, this overlap. Yeah. Um, but you know, when I quit the full-time NGO job, I mean, I needed time to build up my business. Yes. As a freelancer, right? Yeah, I did the same. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I was lucky enough that I have a husband who is very, very, you know, uh, supportive. Yes. All right. And so he's watched me build this up over the years to a point where as of last year, I just stopped doing translation altogether because I no longer needed to supplement mm -hmm. with the translation work. Yeah. And so that's like when I finally feel like, okay, I feel secure being this new B person. The A became the B. It just went and now I'm B. And that's okay. Yeah. And this B was always here somewhere, but now it's just kind of emerged as you know a full-time me. Emerged. This is a word that's coming up a lot for us here. That feeling where you you came to the tipping point. Yeah. Tell me about that feeling. How does that feel? The tipping point. Yeah, that it feeling. It was something I never, I didn't ever think I could do it. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I always wanted to. It sounded cool. It looked like, you know, a good goal. Yeah. And I just went for it. <laughs> but I wasn't like sure it would really work. But I was just like, let's just try this. And then I just, I just reached this point where I feel happy. Everything is coming together. I feel like my training is, pay, is paying off. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You know, I, I invested a lot into the training in order to be able to do right. what I do. Yes, well. you yes, know, we not, do. It's not yes. just a, I'm going to be this one day. No, 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 no. I hear you, right? sis. I hear right. you. <laughs> and, and I'm not saying I've reached my maximum. I still have way more like training to do and I have other goals. Um, but I want to keep building it up. But I've just reached a point where I feel that you know, secure, secure in what I'm doing. Good enough. Point. Yeah. Yeah. Secure yeah. in what you're doing. And that feeling, you, you kind of went, ah. Yeah. So for you, it feels like a, a kind of a, and a smack, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically. Right. And that, that feeling, so it, 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 it's very realistic, isn't it? It's a very, mm. it's a, it's, it's actually a physical feeling that a new pivot. Yeah. And you're talking about things emerging, emerging out of that two years, emerging out of, you know, 10, 20 years of being, I'm this person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then emerging, and, and this, is, this, this emerging is another, uh, I love the word emerging, one of my key coaching <laughs> questions is, what's waiting to emerge? Yeah. What, what do you think is waiting to emerge next for you? When I first started teaching gyrokinesis, I was just teaching one class a week at an embassy, just one class in English, because it was like 
they asked me, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll do that, and that was fine. And then fast forward to now, you know, I teach in mostly Japanese. My clients are now mostly Japanese. Probably 90% of my clients are Japanese, and I teach in Japanese. Yes. And I also train teachers as well. Yes. So that's like another layer that I added last mm -hmm. year. Um, and I've also sort of started teaching machine work as well. So I've been teaching with the machines. I got new qualification last oh. year uh, and another one just last month. Yeah. So I'd like to keep building on like, you know, what I'm qualified to teach. I can get, basically I want to certify myself and uh, get certifications in other sort of machines in order to complement what I do. Mm -hmm. I would like to be able to reach a broader audience. Um, for the first time this year, I've had people from abroad come to Japan to take my course, for example. Wow. Whereas last year it was only in Japan. Yeah. You know, so I'd like to just kind of, you know, maybe in a, as a dream, I'd really love to be able to travel with it, for example, and be asked to be somewhere else rather than do it here. That would be fun. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I'd just like to expand on what I'm doing right now. Um, but still in the same sort of world, just grow it more. Mm. It's almost, what I'm hearing here, and you may not, have picked up on this yet is it's almost like you're coming full circle it's almost like you are an ambassador you're starting to feel like you're going to become an ambassador for the for the technique like you're going to be the diplomat of gyro or something that's what i'm that's what i'm hearing that's what i'm hearing it's like this this great very humble pride in the fact that people are coming to you now for you for your classes people are learning with you they're coming from overseas it's like this yeah. is this is part of the the previous this is part of the it, it, it all comes together it all I feel it all kind of gathers around us go ahead I was gonna say well, th this is the other thing is you know like I used to do translation work for example and yeah. now I do translation work for the gyrokinesis headquarters for example oh. when they have teachers from abroad coming to Japan yeah then I do the translation for that so it's like worlds collide yes like it's something I did in a previous profession and now I'm yeah. doing it in my current profession you know what I mean yeah or like I'm doing collaborative events, um, you know, like on Peace Boat. I used to work for Peace Boat in a totally se separate life, mm -hmm. doing NGO work. And then now I'm being asked to go on Peace Boat as a gyrokinesis instructor. So it's just like... Are you doing a I cruise? did that last year. Did I, you? I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really fun to see like the different worlds kind of come together. Yeah. They're still like all part of me and they're just kind of merging in an interesting way. And well, I love that. Yeah. So do I. I love it so much. I'm going to ask you what Peace Boat is in a minute, but another thing that I notice here, which I'm sure we, we were both talking about investing in our, in just getting better and better at stuff and upgrading. continually, uh, up, ah, upgrading, <laughs> hashtag upgrade, <Hashtags. laughs> um, is um, the closer to mastery you get, the further away it gets. Mm. Yeah. And I just, that's something that I just also thought was a bit of a cheesy, like, uh -huh. oh, the more you know, the less you know, kind of thing, you know. But actually, it's so true. Yeah. And I think that, that, that the paradox of those two things is that as you become a master, mm. you realize how much more you have to learn, but you also have to own where you are. Yeah. If you don't own where you are and you only look at the gap, then you're not even on your path to mastery that's then true. because you have to be able to, to, to yeah. be of service while on the path. Yeah. Which, I I, which we generally never get to anyway, because that, but we are already there. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I, and because I think what, what we both do in the world is quite similar, in, but you work with the body and I work with the, whatever it is, I work with the mind. Mm. And 
the being, I suppose. I don't know. I'm just answering my own questions out loud here. I've got into a trance. I'm going to come back to you. <laughs> and so I, I, I think that's, that's really amazing. And I do believe that things start to gather around us. You know, yeah. I call it like a gathering. People gather around you, like this one gathered around me just when I kind of, hi, that's my videographer behind the camera there who I adore. And we kind of, you know, and, and all the right people gather around you. And one of the people who, talking about Peace Boat, which is, can you just explain what Peace Boat is, please? Peace Boat. For, our, for our audience. It's a Japanese non-governmental organization that began in a quest to find out the real history. Um, mm, how do I say this? Okay, uh, I'm going to simplify <laughs> this. I'm going like to simplify it. this. I'm going to simplify it for you. Go to Where they have a really nice blurb. Yeah, well, let me, let me break it down really, really Sorry. simply. No, no, this is fine. This is gorgeous because you're, you, you're really into the kind of philosophy and stuff of it. But I'm going to tell you what it is. It's a cruise ship. <laughs> Peace Boat is a cruise ship where people gather to travel the world and try to integrate or to learn and to be... Oh, we're back to global citizens a bit, aren't we? But it's, but it's also a place where mainly Japanese people can buy a spot on that cruise and be educated in many, many different ways while cruising around different um, ports of call and different um, routes. Mm -hmm. That's kind of yes. the, the, the practical side of it, the very kind of logic, logistical side of it. There's a philosophy behind it too, but we don't mm -hmm. need to go too far into that at the moment. Mm -hmm. You've done loads of cruises, haven't you? Um, I did three, all, um, three cruises around the world with them. Three cruises so, around the world, yeah. yeah. So, and you were a translator on yes. those, and your husband was too. Yes. One of my delight, gorgeous clients is about to do her first round ah. in September yes, through yes. January. I've yes, connected yes. you to her. And yes. I'm actually going to interview her about her experience. Oh. She's going to be one of my yeah. legends. Ah, fantastic. Because one of the things that I'm really interested in is, is getting a span of ages mm. of people. So I want to get people from, you know, uh, well, uh, our last month's speaker was the lovely Lindsay Sourder, yes. who we did a retreat with yes. in September. That's right. Yes. And, um, you know, she was saying her studio is for zero to 80. Mm. So I also mm. want to try and get that yes. span in as well Absolutely. in these interviews. So she's in her 20s and she's doing Peace Boat as well. Mm. So um, mm. it, it's, it's such an interesting concept. Mm. Mm. Um, so there's that. But all this gathering of all the people and the kind of homecoming, the coming home to things, it's really, it's really interesting. And coming back to yourself and finding, I think Lindsay and I talked about this as well, it's that kind of cyclical nature of things where you know that you said it's person b is actually somebody who lived inside you anyway and was waiting to emerge mm. from person a and person a is still very much inside you too because you run these beautiful retreats which run like clockwork apart from, <laughs> apart from the rain <laughs> and you know you you're such a professional teacher and a professional uh participant and member of this gyro community in Japan, uh, I mean, you're fully fluent in Japanese. Tell me about that very quickly. How did you get fluent in Japanese? I ask everybody this because I'm just so fascinated by that. I just, I just, just studied it. You just you... studied it. <laughs> I studied it for a long News time. News flash. Just study just it. Just study it. 
<laughs> no, I studied it when I was in university, though. Yeah. You know, I started early. Yeah. And it was, but when I studied it, it was already with the goal to live here. I really wanted to live here one day. Really I wanted it. to live here. Yeah. 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 So. It was yeah, fun. you're really at home. I mean, I think it's probably part of that kind of um, cultural chameleon. You always like in terms of um, psychometrics. When I'm doing psychometrics, you know, like introversion, extroversion. Um, and so on, intuition versus yes. sensing and so on. We say it's good to be a chameleon, mm. and it, it, it doesn't mean you're faking it. A chameleon mm. is always a chameleon, yeah. and a chameleon never becomes a cat. It just notices what's going on around them mm. instinctively yeah. and then adjusts. Yeah. So um, it, it's like you have this incredible ability to be a cultural chameleon, but you're always Maya, <laughs> you know? So, you know, in class, everybody gets the same treatment, but you seamlessly move between Japanese language and English. Um, I'm assuming you speak some other languages too. Yeah, I speak uh, Tagalog as well. Yeah. And Indonesian. I lived in Indonesia at one point. Okay. <laughs> just threw that in. Work. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, just, yeah, just throw that one in. So, like, like I said, Maya's an onion and there's another layer we've just peeled off. Ooh. <laughs> uh, she stinks and she makes you cry. Sorry. <laughs> That's why I don't like the onion metaphor. <laughs> um, but it's actually one of my favourite vegetables. Is it a vegetable? I'm not sure. Um, so there you go. So we've 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 covered an awful lot here. Oh, you came over here on the Jet program, right? Yes. What does that stand for? Uh, the Japan Exchange and Teaching Program, right? And um, that was gosh, that was so long ago. Twenty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's where I met, my I met my husband during that. Right, okay, I got that mixed up. I thought you'd met him on Peace Boat, but mm. then you translated together on Peace Boat. Correct. Right, but yes. you met him on the JET program. Yeah, we met on the JET program, then we went on Peace Boat together mm -hmm. during the gap year, then we went to grad school together, then we came back to Japan together. <laughs> so it was really lucky that we met on, peace, um, on the JET program because we were um, on Shikoku, which is the smallest of the four islands, right? But we were on the same island, and yeah, and oh. everything just kind of clicked after that. So, yes. <laughs> Jet and living in Chicago is an ex, ex an excellent way to learn Japanese as well, isn't yes. it? Yes. Because you're yes. right in the middle of nowhere. That's right. That's right. And you know, I've always lived in Tokyo and Tokyo metropolitan areas, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I, that's. Um, Okay, I'm not going to use excuses as to why I can't speak Japanese very well. <laughs> I've just effing studied. <laughs> just you heard funny. it here first. Hashtag just study. Okay. <laughs> so, um, brilliant. So we've just, we, we've got that background together there as well. Um, so what's next for you? You've just bought a house in Nagano, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, this is quite a popular uh, activity for for many people of our age at the moment, is buying places in the countryside. We were always fascinated with um, kominka, so the traditional Japanese houses, mm -hmm. when we were living in Shikoku. Okay. Uh, um, so we just, last year, decided to get one and do it up and preserve, preserve everything, you know. We want to keep this beautiful old, it's 150 years old. Goodness me. Right, so we wanted to um, do it up but still keep it in the traditional form, you know? Yeah. Um, and then hopefully, if things work out, I'll be able to host retreats there and do some fantastic events, have you over. Yeah? Oh, I'm there, girl. <laughs> I, am, I am checking my diary as we speak. Yeah, and so, so that's, so you've got like this 
there's two reasons for this then one is so that you well three reasons one is so you've got like a holiday home because mm. it's really important to get out of Tokyo isn't it it's yeah. such a metropolis yes, yes, yes. and connect back with nature and the second one is so you can preserve this beautiful 150 year old home and you're keeping the authenticity of that but also modernizing it mm -hmm. to some degree yes. is that right yes correct, correct. and then the third one is so you've got like a retreat space where you can host mm. and keep this yeah keep this evolution and this the next thing will emerge from this exactly and have our friends host uh-huh so that we can share it and it'll be like a you know a community spot so oh. yeah, that's the idea so into it we'll have to go and do some video work down there as well which <laughs> sounds like a terrible 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 <laughs> burden oh <laughs> so you know Maya as we start to wrap up here um what would be your your tips and tricks for creating a a work style and a lifestyle that we can be proud of mm. what are your biggest learnings i mean you've just shared so much juice with us there Pick something specific. I'm trying to think of the things I tell my sisters. Oh, because um, because you're age, the big mama. Yeah. yeah, I'm the big. Mama. <laughs> you're the big sister. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I think we're both big sisters, aren't we? Yeah, I think so. To our to yeah. our people, you're you're my big sister sometimes, even you're though my I'm big the, the old. Yeah, we we are. We, we sister one another. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think. What do I tell my sisters? I tell them. That it's okay to do things that are different mm. and to not be scared. Mm. But that's just kind of generic, isn't it? <laughs> you know, I'm trying to think of something that's very more specific. I think it's very important, though, Maya. This is very mm. important to do things differently and to, to not be scared. Or even if you are scared, to, yeah. to do it anyway. But not to be scared is a good good thing too mm. I don't know thinking out of the box as well is really good mm -hmm. um, because that's what I did and uh, that's what I feel like you know until I reached that pivot point in my 30s right remember yes. I was oh, I was still in the box and I didn't uh, think you could get out of that box and it really took like a huge shift in my world sort of falling apart to make me understand that it was okay to think outside the box and become someone who I didn't think I could be you know it really took that devastation but you know I would like to think that people don't need to reach that point of devastation in their lives before they can understand that that would be really nice so that's my advice beautiful <laughs> look out for the pivot points yeah not only in devastation devastations have given for us human beings but of course, that of is course, that's of course. a particularly yours but was a particularly intense and particularly but to, but to find but to be able to find to be able to welcome fast change mm. before it reaches a point of devastation that it's okay to like just change paths and it's I not see. going to you know it, it's scary but it's okay and you can do it you know that sort of thing yeah, yeah. Ah, I, I get it. Isn't I get it. it. Like yeah. So if you've got a little voice inside you going, are you sure? Don't yeah. wait for that devastation yeah. to force you into that exactly. pivot. Yeah, basically. Because that devastation is going to happen anyway, but you might be able to start to kind of lose your label and create that pivot point towards something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think last month 
when I was talking to Lindsay, I was we were talking about returning, mm -hmm. like a kind of homecoming. Mm. But like it's mm. it's mm. we're not returning to one thing. What I'm hearing from you is about well, this kind of integration of many different selves. Yeah. Whereas when you were younger, you were just like I am this. Yeah. 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 And you, you you call it being in a box. Mm. Just such wise words. I think accepting that you're multifaceted. <gasps> yeah. Early. Yeah. Will help, I think. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful, Maya. So, Maya, thank you so much for talking to us today. Where can people find you on social media? Social media, I'm on Instagram, um, Maya Moves underscore Tokyo. Maya Moves underscore Tokyo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I also have a website, which mm -hmm. is uh, mayamoves.com. Mayamoves.com. And Maya Moves is all one word. Yes. I'll put this in the show notes as well. Maya, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So that was an absolutely fascinating conversation there with Maya. Um, thank her so much for sharing so much of herself so vulnerably. And one of the key themes and one of the golden threads that runs through this conversation, I think, is about layers and layers and layers of people and what emerges and what we allow to emerge. Maya said, try not to let the devastation come in order to be a different version of yourself and maybe in order to not move towards don't hold yourself back from moving towards the thing that you want to do because eventually life will devastate you in some way that's that's the human condition that's going to happen to us one way or another um what we can do is we can start taking those moves stepping out of the stereotyped versions of ourselves those like, I am like this, I am this kind of person, I always, I never, I'm the kind of person who, and just exploring different facets of ourselves. Another theme that I hear from Maya is like, she's very gentle about people. She says that, you know, for, for many people, the experience that she had moving from one place to another, to another, to another, to another, can be terribly unsettling and very isolating. For her, it was different. For her, she looks at it as, in, retrospectively as a very uh, positive, positive experience for her. And one more thing I find about Maria is she makes choices. And she and her husband chose to take that shit that happened to them for two years and make it really fertile ground. And I think that's a beautiful thing to remember that shit is fertilizer. Hashtag that. And, um, and to, really, to really take that fertile ground and grow yourself from there. Um, you'll notice that she doesn't really label herself very much anymore. But what we can see is that she is a person who is integrating so many different things into her life and is on the lookout all the time. I adore her. I love working with her both as a teacher and as a peer. And I hope that you have enjoyed this too. So thank you very much for watching. Thank you from Sarah for your coaching. There are many, many different ways to lead a life. Everybody has stories and I want to hear yours and tell theirs and create a work style and a lifestyle that you can be proud of. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this latest legend on the Sarah Furuya Legends podcast. Hop over to sarahfuruya.com where you can find the full complement of uh, Legends interviews and conversations. Also, you can like and subscribe over on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. I absolutely love these interviews and these conversations I have with these people. I don't care about subscribers if I'm absolutely honest. It just helps 
to get more people over to listen to these fantastic people. I cannot wait for my next interview. I really hope you can get stuck in and find some juice and some delightful little nugget of knowledge or encouragement from these that will help you to create your story and to take your story forward and to weave and dream up and high dream your own story. Buoyed up by the stories of these people, I would call them ordinary, they're not, but these people, these beautiful legends who I've selected to help you on your way and to help me on my way. So please enjoy, share, subscribe. My Facebook page is Sarah Faruya Coaching. My Instagram page is at Sarah Faruya Coaching too. So get into it. Thanks. Bye.